As Americans hunker down due to the coronavirus, new cases continue. Because Healthcare Challenge with Sean McGuire. positive news coming with certain treatments for the coronavirus. We'll explore that a little bit. Um, kind of was hoping that things might calm down a little bit here in the United States. Looks like uh, things continue to escalate. The uh, latest breaking news headline is a member of Congress, Senator Rand Paul from Kentucky, uh, re revealed today uh, that he has diagnosed uh, with the coronavirus and is self-quarantined having no symptoms at the time. So we're wondering how long this might play out. We're gonna talk a little bit about that. We're gonna be talking about how the average American is dealing with these things, some of the things that you should be doing. And uh, we're going to uh, be joined by a great group of contributors that are gonna be coming up here in just a few moments. If this is the first time checking out the show, I really appreciate it. Uh, if you're into uh, podcasts, we've got Plenty of uh, those for you to listen to from previous episodes. We've been doing this for nearly 10 years. If you've got iTunes, SoundCloud, uh, Google Play, uh, just look up America's Healthcare Challenge. You should be able to find some of our old episodes. And make sure to subscribe to the Edie Bellis YouTube channel. It's time to consult with a specialist, and you don't even need a referral. You're listening to America's Healthcare Challenge with Sean McGuire. Joining us right now on America's Healthcare Challenge, Dr. Drew Letterman. Dr. Letterman got his BA in psychology from Harvard University, uh, with his MD at St. George's University School of Medicine, and he did his residency and fellowship at Albert Einstein College of Medicine in New York, board certified with the American Board of Pain Medicine, American Board of Psychological, Physical Med and Rehabilitation. Dr. Letterman, great to see you. Welcome to America's Healthcare Challenge. I actually just came back uh, just just short of a week ago from a vacation in Florida. And we were there while things were going from, oh, look, there's a problem somewhere else in the world to this is a critical problem right here. Um, and so that happened all while we were there. And we got back just last Saturday. And coming back to work, um, work looks a whole lot different right now. Um, just prioritizing different things, and um, it's uh, it's a crazy time. Yes. Uh, so, what what was it like uh, from your perspective as things did unfold? Uh, what was it like flying? I haven't talked to a lot of people that have actually flown in the last couple of weeks. Now we're seeing the airline industry, you know, really almost on life support from our federal government. At that time, did it seem like there was as much panic as there is now, or is it? as Ron Burgundy would say, really escalated quickly. Yeah, I mean, I wouldn't say there was panic on the airlines. There was certainly awareness. Um, things look different 
when we flew to Florida compared to a week later when we flew back. Um, though both flights were full, um, but a lot more Clorox was going on on our flight back than when we were there, going on our way there. Um, and certainly a lot more masks um, than we saw. So um, there's no doubt this is hitting hard, hitting the airlines hard. I mean, with all the, with all the shutdowns, both domestically in other countries and internationally across the globe, um, you know, it's, it's, uh, I mean, this, this is hitting everything. It's not just the airlines. It's, and, and I think you're seeing that unfold is the smallest little change just has such a um, domino effect to the entire economy and the entire world. Um, it's pretty, um, it's pretty profound. I bet you were just getting bombarded with tons of emails and correspondence and patients wanting to know what's going on, administrators trying to figure out how to handle all these things. You know, amidst all of that noise, what's been some of the things that have really stood out to you, you know, as a medical professional following? There's a lot of things. Um, you know, I would start off by saying, you know, my specialty, um, there's sort of two aspects to my specialty, my more general specialties. You mentioned physical medicine. Um, I have responsibilities at the hospital to manage uh, rehabilitation patients after they've suffered, you know, um, physically incapacitating medical issues like strokes or fractures and things like that. Um, those are people who are treated in the hospital and are there for um, days to weeks. And so I manage those patients. Um, the other part of my job, uh, certainly time that I spend most on, is as outpatient dealing with chronic pain, specifically um, trying to treat chronic pain in addition to some basic pain medications, but more specifically with image-guided procedures. Um, now, because chronic pain, by definition, is really not an emergency, um, it's considered, all those procedures are considered elective. And across the country, uh, and likely the globe, um, all elective hospital or medical procedures are on pause, um, you know, to preserve resources, both um, human and otherwise, uh, for the rest of the hospital with, with everything going on. So um, that's been sort of different. Um, my focus has therefore shifted to the inpatient rehab side and and also helping the hospital, you know, working in a community hospital, helping as much as I can in whatever capacity I can um, to free up resources and, and offer whatever help I can. Um, so things certainly look a lot different right now than they did a couple of weeks ago. You know, my typical day is seeing, you know, 15 to 20 patients and doing around 15 to 20 procedures. And now I'm doing none of that. I'm trying to help those patients through phone messages and telehealth I'm trying to manage my, my as best as I can with just you know pain medicines as opposed to procedures, um, but uh, you know I'm fairly limited in that sense. Um, but um, I think things will be like this for a little while. I know that's up for debate how long that while is, weeks, months. Um, but um, it's uh, it's it's a new world. A lot of time to thank for specialists who aren't really doing much at hospitals. I know that Vegas is closed, which, you know, a lot of my gambling friends out there are pretty disappointed about. I noticed that they were taking bets on the weather. I don't know if that was the headline. <laughs> if, if you were to make a bet on how long uh, this were to last, you know, as far as 
you know, and we may not have even seen anything yet because we noticed this week that New York and California, uh, I think is essentially, you know, calling martial law, quarantining everybody at home. Um, how, how long do you think this thing is going to play out where, where people's lives really are disrupted? Well, you know, I think, um, I think my answer has to be nuanced. I think you have to talk about um, what restrictions we're talking about. I think just as you saw them, unfortunately, slowly roll out the restrictions over days or weeks, um, I think the same will be true on the other end. I don't think you're going to see a day where, okay, all of a sudden everyone can go out and hug each other and shake each other's hands. Um, I think there's going to be some time before the United States sees its peak in this. I think we're still on our way. We're not there yet. Um, I think that will be weeks until most of the country sees its peak. Um, and I think we're talking um, months, you know, between three and six um, months to see uh, things start to calm down and go back towards normal living. Um, but that will exist on a gradient and this whole push to flatten the curve, um, you know, you have to think about flattening the curve and then you also have to think about the area under the curve and they're actually the same um, whether you see a high peak or a flattened curve uh, or a broad slope. Um, the key there is, you know, obviously decreasing the burden on the hospitals in a very short period of time and extending it over a long period of time. So. Um, I think that remains to be seen. How effective are the measures they're taking right now to flatten that curve? And the inevitable consequence of flattening the curve will be a longer duration. Um, and so how effective are the things we're doing right now? I don't know. Hopefully people are adhering to the recommendations to really just self-quarantine um, the whole country. But uh, so, so I don't know is the short answer. Uh, and there's a whole lot of variables that enter into the answer to that. And I think you even see the brightest minds in the country in infectious disease and epidemiology don't have the answers. And they're kind of looking to other countries who are maybe a, a month or two ahead of them to, to project uh, what this country will look like. But obviously, there's so many variables. Um, the smallest variable can change those projections by a long period of time. So, so I don't know. Do the <laughs> The simple yeah, answer. <laughs> I don't think anybody does. I, you know, I think if they did, they'd probably be making a lot of money if they could somehow, you know, predict this. Um, one of the variables that could become developed that kind of came came to light a little bit is uh, I forget the name of the actual drug, but um, used to treat malaria. That's starting to see some potential impact. We don't we don't know. It's kind of from my understanding, it's kind of like comparing apples to oranges in this, in, when you try and compare the, the success that it has before. Certainly sparked a contentious moment in the press conference yesterday between that reporter and the president. Um, do you think that could be something like a, a treatment like that coming to the marketplace? Do you think that could really, you know, when we talk about bending the curve, you know, have an impact? Should it become successful? Um, yeah, well, I guess it depends on, on how you define that success. Um, it depends on what level of evidence are you satisfied with before you deploy it as a mass treatment. And I think that's the big issue is, you know, um, there's basically two studies, a French study, and I believe one from China as well, that talk about treating patients with hydroxychloroquine, um, commercially available as Plaquenil, used to treat malaria, and also some autoimmune disorders now. 
Um, but these are these were um, you know non-randomized, non you know non non-blinded studies done on 20 to 30 patients max. Um, so you know you say those numbers to anyone who's familiar with stats and research, um, it's as good as a case report, which is pretty much useless. Um, so I wouldn't go so far as to say it's useless. Um, it's good that it was tried and it showed some some promising improvement. Though if you look at those two studies it's pretty easy to dig holes in them. Um, I think it's certainly worthwhile entertaining, um, but I'm not sure it's ready for prime time to deploy uh, as it needs to be deployed on a mass scale. Um, so that's what I wonder. And, you know, remember, every medication uh, comes with risks, um, including, you know, with hydroxychloroquine, uh, prolonging a particular interval of your heart rate and that can potentially be devastating. And if you apply that on a mass scale, you know, who knows how many people you could be killing or injuring. Um, you could get start getting to numbers as close to what we're seeing now that the disease is actually causing. So, you know, it's easy to get excited about those things and everyone, you know, they, they offer hope. Um, but both the good and the bad thing of, of the standards the United States uses to um, bring drugs to, you know, to um, real life is that it takes a lot. It takes a lot of proof. It takes a lot of money. It takes a lot of time to prove that a medication is safe and effective. Um, and so that's the problem here is you're asking people to try things on human beings. And um, that wouldn't get past most IRBs uh, this day and age. Right, right. I, I got to ask your uh, opinion on something. Um, you were uh, born in Canada, I understand. Is that right? From Toronto? Originally? Toronto, yep. Yeah, cool. So um, how would you compare and contrast the way that, the, you know, Canada and the U.S. has handled this issue, uh, both kind of large geographically, obviously, um, so that could, I guess, be to their advantage or disadvantage compared to other nations in the, in the world. Um, but I, I noticed that Prime Minister Trudeau and his wife were quarantined, I believe. That happened about a week ago. Uh, mm -hmm. Have you noticed any, any differences between the two countries and how they're handling it? Um, you know, it, it's, it's hard to say. Um, the things that I notice uh, are more so the commentary and the amount of animosity there is towards governments, um, which in, in the last few years has actually increased drastically in Canada. Um, almost to, to echo similar things that happen in the United States. Um, I think, you know, Canada has done a fairly decent job. I wouldn't say it's that drastically different than what the United States has done. Um, I would say in Canada's favor are things, one is exactly what you said. Um, solely the fact that they're less densely populated across the country. Obviously there are city centers and those are concerning just as New York are, but New York is, but um, I think that's one thing in its favor. Um, I think, you know, um, they do have socialized health care, which um, may facilitate a more cohesive um, approach to dealing with this. There may, the government itself may have a little bit more control um, 
to to manage this, whereas um, the United States has sort of a mixed system, um, Medicare and city hospitals and state hospitals, but also private hospitals. So maybe a little bit more disconnect. Um, so uh, you know, th there's so there's so many variables as to how it could play out. Um, in terms of what's come from the brass, from the government, um, I think for the most part, um, they've echoed each other. Um, you know, I'm not, a, I'm not a huge, without getting too far into politics, you know, I'm not a huge fan of, um, you know, of how the President of the United States um, talks about this problem and has talked about it. And, um, and I think it's, I think it's, not helpful a lot of times, and especially the um, the difference in in how he talks about dealing with this crisis and analyzing the crisis versus how his own experts talk about it. I think that's problematic, and that they're unfortunately very different. Um, I don't see that happening as much in Canada. Um, and um, granted, I'm not there. I'm not as exposed to their media as I am here, um, but. Um, so, you know, I think there probably are differences. Um, it's, uh, it's, it's tough to say. I think the population density thing is probably pretty significant, um, which is pretty much out of the government's control. Yeah, and then I know, I, I believe the UK just now finally shutting down um, bars and pubs. I believe that happened just yesterday. So it is kind of interesting to see each nation has kind of handled it a little bit differently. Um, you know, the, what would you give as advice to the people checking this out for the first time? By the way, if you're watching this for the first time, thanks so much for joining us. Make sure to like our Facebook page. Um, but, you know, should they believe that they do have symptoms? Um, uh, you know, what should they do? What hospitals are trying to do now is really preserve resources and not overburden the emergency rooms. Um, and you know, I guess good advice would be to let people know what types of patients should be seen in the emergency room. And yes, um, symptoms that are common with this coronavirus include fevers, um, cough, um, shortness of breath. Um, about 10% of the population, at least in one um, resource that I saw, uh, in China at least, there were some GI distress related issues. Um, we're still learning a lot about this every day. Um, but really, it's the shortness of breath that is probably the kicker and the thing that you shouldn't sit on. You should go get checked out. Um, there are now a lot of resources. I can speak for our hospital system, but you know, across the country that are trying to triage patients, meaning decide who should go to the ER and who shouldn't. And they're offering hotlines either by calling your primary care provider or going through hospital systems websites that will usually offer a, a toll-free phone number to go through screening questionnaires. Um, and that will help decide, A, who should be tested, and B, could you go to the emergency room? So the bottom line is, if you have coronavirus, it doesn't necessarily mean you need to be admitted to the hospital. Um, the people who need to be admitted to the hospital are really the people who have serious illness, um, shortness of breath, probably being the most prominent with this problem, but serious illness that clearly isn't getting better. And sometimes there's gray area there, and, and that can certainly cause confusion. 
but that's what medical professionals are there for. And so they're trying to set up these ways to triage and take your questions and, and see who needs to be there and who, who's not. Because what we can't have is have the hospital system overburdened and that leads to that spike instead of that smooth curve. And, and that's how people who need the care don't get their care and, and can die in this case. So um, I, I would say abide by the, the triage system that's available to you, your community, your state. Um, and there's so many resources uh, in social media. I'd say the positive of social media in this case is there, it's out there. There's phone numbers out there. It may not be easy to get the test when you think you want it, um, but the people who need to be in the hospital um, will get there. Um, and so that's one thing I'm, uh, I'm hopeful that the triage system is helping. Any final thoughts, Dr. Letterman? Um, well, there's, I have so many thoughts on this topic. It's so interesting to watch unfold. Um, but um, if I'm communicating with, with people who are looking for advice, I would say, you know, um, try your best to stay calm and not hoard. I don't think the supply chain, there's been a lot of talk about the supply chain, you know, things like groceries and things like that. Um, I really don't think that's going to falter. Um, I don't think this type of um, disaster, a pandemic, um, will will result in that. Um, so hoarding is is not helpful. It only causes panic. So um, I don't think you should be worried about that. And even the even the most strict restrictions in the United States, both in California and Illinois and New York, are allowing people to leave their home to go get essentials, um, medications, and groceries. And those continue to be restocked despite that initial surge of um, toilet paper hysteria, um, essential goods are still available. Another big important thing I think is um, young people, um, I guess a lot has been written and reported about young people not necessarily taking the social distancing concept seriously. Um, something interesting I saw on the main CDC website the other day, um, they put a report at, at noon every day between Monday and Friday on the number of cases and also outline the age groups that are affected. I noticed that under the age of 60 were 50% of the cases that were diagnosed in Maine, 5-0. Um, now that doesn't necessarily speak to mortality, it doesn't meaning doesn't speak to who dies from this, but it shows you everyone is susceptible to getting this and therefore everyone is susceptible to passing this on to someone else. Um, and that is what they're you know, saying these days that is the biggest issue are these silent carriers. Even people without symptoms who have the virus somewhat uh, sort of so-called colonized in their system can very much transmit it and that's a problem. Uh, so uh, it's important to take these um, social, social distancing practice very seriously um, for the health of your parents, your grandparents, but even yourself, they're young people that have died from this. Um, and and fit and healthy young people that have died from this. So um, I think in terms of advice, those are a couple of the things that uh, I think I would offer. Um, the, my last thought is I'm fascinated and nervous um, uh, about how this will change everything from finance to economics to um, both within healthcare and outside it. Um, I follow LinkedIn fairly closely as it's become a big um, uh, mode of communication in the medical world. It kind of lagged behind the business world, but now is, is pretty big. And 
Um, there's been some really interesting discussions and I commented on one about the number or the trend uh, of physicians going to, to becoming more subspecialized, especially in the United States. Um, more and more specialists are honing in on very small subspecialties, honestly, myself included, um, who are at home right now doing nothing because so many of the things we do are advanced and elective. And um, I think something like this is going to, or may, um, reshape how we prioritize different types of healthcare um, because there's been a huge shortage of primary care doctors and providers across the country um, and especially in my home country of Canada um, and this certainly will shed light on that um, having so many specialists like I said at home looking at LinkedIn and not treating patients so um, you know I think that's really interesting um, and my hope is this, that this does spur change. I mean, it brings up so many other issues, vaccinations. Are people gonna take that more seriously? Um, this, I think this will change a lot of things. Um, my hope is for the better, but um, it's an interesting, crazy time. Dr. Letterman, thank you so much for joining us here on America's Healthcare Challenge. Hope you can come back again soon and we can talk about some of these other things because you're right, this thing is just beginning to, to start. So thanks so much for joining us. Thanks so much for having me. It's a pleasure. How are we handling uh, the crisis on Rat House joining us to talk about We're going on break, but you can talk to us now at facebook.com backslash America's Healthcare Challenge. Week, what you been up to? Never thought I'd see the day where our president would be saying, hey, if you're a construction worker, you know, please mail your mask to the hospital. That was shocking to me. Um, basically been self-quarantined since last Saturday, you know, and I got home on Friday and, you know, we really, my wife and I started taking it pretty seriously at that point. And um, it's definitely scary. And there's some kind of new normals that are starting to happen and, and take shape right now all across the country. A lot of states are handling this differently. We had news today that California and New York uh, essentially instituting martial law. All the all citizens uh, asked to stay at home except for emergency personnel. How are things have handled out in the Midwest? I've been pretty proud of, of our state and, and how uh, we've handled this crisis uh, all the way down to a local level, uh, county level with the city of Omaha. Um, our governor, uh, Pete Ricketts, and I probably wouldn't have said this six months ago, but he's been outstanding. He's been a great leader. He's been laying out the facts and he hasn't been claiming anything that he can't back up, you know, and he's been very calm. He's been uh, orderly. Um, they've been thinking this through. I will say that, you know, a place like Nebraska probably has an easier go of it than a place like New York or Florida, where there's far fewer people to manage. Um, but that said, I, I like I said, I think we're, we're we're handling this really well, and and I think a lot of people in Omaha have been taking it very seriously. Obviously, when the weather's not as nice, it's maybe a little easier to to self quarantine. But our mayor uh, has been doing a really good job too. And you know, our backbone as far as this uh, coronavirus outbreak is considered, you know, the University of Nebraska Medical Center being literally a mile from where I'm at right now, which has, you know, the K 
capability um, federally to manage infectious disease as they have kind of their own little biocontainment unit research center. So, you know, they're very busy right now in terms of trying to attack this um, from a, a medical angle. And, and so I think we've gotten a lot of good guidance from them uh, to implement some of these policies locally and then statewide. Um, so I feel very fortunate, you know, right now to be in Omaha, Nebraska. I think we only have 33 confirmed cases statewide at this point. Um, and obviously the governor was even very forthright in saying today that we have more than that in this state. We just don't have account for them all. So, um, you know, one thing that people are struggling with right now nationwide is this whole testing um, thing. And, you know, how can I find out if I have it and stuff? And, you know, the governor's response today, I thought was very adequate in terms of saying like, you know, we're, we would love to be testing more people, but we just can't do that right now. And we're saving those tests for people that we know we need to test like frontline hospital workers, doctors, nurses, as well as people that are in the ER and are, you know, are sick. The way I would treat this is assume that I did have it. And then how would you act? I want to get your reaction to a couple clips from the presidential press conference. Dr. Burks, the uh, adult in the room. Frankly, from Italy, we're seeing a very, another concerning trend that the mortality in males seems to be twice in every age group of females. This should alert all of us to continue our vigilance to protect our Americans that are in nursing homes. Moms and dads out there that have children with immunodeficiencies or other medical conditions, we don't know the level of risk. And I know you will also protect them in the same way. There just is not enough numbers at this time to really tell them if they're at additional risk or not in the same way that adults are. I don't have any new data. I can see the look on your face who's saying, is she seeing something new? I don't have any new data, but I think it's important for us to be as honest with the American people as we can. And when we don't have data, be very clear that we don't know. Finally, no one is immune. I sometimes hear people on radio or others talking about, I'm immune to the virus. We don't know if the contagion levels are different in age groups, but we know it's highly contagious to everyone. Do not interpret mild or moderate disease as lack of contagion or that you're immune. You just happen to have a better immune system, an ability to fight the virus in a way that maybe older people or people with existing medical conditions can't. And that's why it's very important at this moment that all of you carry that message about the sacrifices that many have made, particularly our service providers and our frontline healthcare workers. They are making that sacrifice every day so that every American can move through this well. But we need every American following the presidential guidelines. Thank I you. do think compared to a place like Italy, when it comes to resources, the US has lots of stuff you know, at our disposal. And, and we're seeing the private sector spring into action very quickly. And I think that could be a, one of the things that really uh, helps us, you know, navigate this in as uh, best of manner as possible. I mean, we, we do have, you know, they, they've referenced, you know, the American spirit and the American will from World War II. And, and that's exactly what we're going to be tapping into, you know, over the next weeks, months, years. 
nearly 200 dead, 14,000 who are sick, millions, as you witness, who are scared right now. What do you say to Americans who are watching you right now who are scared? Uh, I say that you're a terrible reporter. That's what I say. I think it's a very nasty question, and I think it's a very bad signal that you're putting out to the American people. The American people are looking for answers, and they're looking for hope. And you're doing sensationalism, and uh, the same with NBC and Comcast. I don't call it, I don't call it Comcast, I call it Comcast. Let me just ask for whom you were. Let me just say something. That's really bad reporting. And you ought to get back to reporting instead of sensationalism. Let's see if it works. It might and it might not. I happen to feel good about it, but who knows? I've been right a lot. Let's see what happens, John. Can I get back to the science and religion? I'd like to say that that was a bizarre exchange. <laughs> but, uh, you know, when it comes to this president, that was kind of a glimpse into some of his, you know, leadership faults, as it may, you know, some uh, that's kind of President Trump a little bit in a nutshell um in terms of kind of making it about himself at, at a moment when it should be about the country i will say that he did say some of the things that i also believe that the american people right now want answers absolutely and they want some hope absolutely you know i'm, I'm on board with that um you know and as far as the question being asked it's probably a little bit unfair because that's just not the president's specialty is addressing the American people in this kind of on the spot manner. Um, and so I don't know if, if there was really anything more to be said in that moment. And um, Peter Alexander was kind of pushing for a little bit more and, and the president obviously frustrated, um, jumped on him. It didn't look good at the time because, you know, here we've got a national press conference and he asked, what do you want to tell the American people? And the thing he comes up with is that, you're a terrible reporter, which is just like, oh my gosh, like, are you serious? But definitely been following along with the story, Sean, and, um, you know, I'm um, hoping and, and knowing that we can come out of this on the other end in, in a better spot. One of the most important things in our economy is the restaurant industry, feeding us all every day. Sometimes we often take for granted. Well, they've been getting pounded lately with, uh, bad news requirements and, and challenges and so we wanted to take a look at how some of the local restaurants are facing this and we'll take a look at that coming up right after this are you confused sean can help join us after the break for more of america's Healthcare challenge sacrifices that the service industry has made to close their restaurants close their bars and so that the spread is discontinued and then you really understand how all of Americans must make the same sacrifice. We're joined right now by the Secretary of State of Round the Bend Steakhouse, Nebraska's premier steakhouse. Uh, Mr. Secretary, a.k.a. Curtis Norton, great to see you. How are you doing today? Well, you know, I know this whole thing is, is really rough for everyone, and we're all kind of uh, adjusting to it the best we can, and that's just all we're doing. We're uh, we're a family-owned, uh, second-generation um, steakhouse. My owner, TJ, who introduced me on there, um, has been great through this. Um, me, him, and the general manager are only current employees. We had to lay off 50 of our employees, including my dad. Um, so that was really tough. So we've just been working um, this entire time, uh, just kind of rolling with the punches, it seems like, especially uh, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. Every hour, every day, 
it was a different it was a, a different rule that was corrected upon our, our restaurant and we've just adjusted with it as need be to keep everybody safe here and everybody safe um who are providing food for it but it's it's been tough um it's been a lot of long hours like i said i've only got three employees that work here so, uh, the owner the general manager and me the executive chef and then everybody else is just trying to get hours um the best they can we've had a lot of to goes uh the curbside is what we're doing right now um so people call in they um they can place a to-go order and they can't even come to the establishment we actually have to walk it out to them car hop style as you heard in that video so we've had fun with it uh, we've kind of unleashed our goofiness we like to pick be pretty corporate and laid back and um, uh, not showing your face on Facebook but through this we just had to be on Facebook constantly social media and and really let you guys know that we're still here um, we're trying we're being scrappy um, and we're gonna we're gonna keep going with this as long as we can as long as we stay relevant um, we're adjusting every day um, we've done some new changes each day like uh, now we're doing um, some packaged meat to go um, our fresh steak cut uh, in-house. Yeah, can you talk a little bit more just, about that? That's a really neat thing. Yeah, um, we've always thought about doing it, and this kind of pushed us into doing it. Um, my dad, the meat director, he's um, he's been cutting it for us, and he's talking in hourly, and uh, we've been packaging it, selling it. It's just all the stuff we've had on hand, so I haven't been able to actually order anything to Cisco this week, um, other than like more to-go boxes and stuff that we don't typically have on hand. Um, but we just, they call in with the order. They say what they want. We, we did it. We stuck to our roots as much as possible. So we did the same exact cuts that you see on our menu to keep it easy. So they buy a ribeye and they get the 16 ounce ribeye. That has always been our ribeye size. And then we send it to them packaged up and they, they call up, say they're here. Uh, we have a waitress walk it out to them to their car. They pay. We bring the payment back in. We bring out the, the food and the, their car back to them. Um, so that's been that's been big today. That's the first day that we've been doing that. Um, like I said, we've always wanted to do that. One thing that this is making us do is we got time since we're a little bit slower, and we've also need to do these steps to stay in business. And so it's kind of making us do stuff that we've been thinking about for a while, and we're just implementing it. I mean, we are just anything we can think of. Hey, remember that thing that we wanted to do? Let's do it. Let's do it right now. All these videos we've been making. They're literally me and TJ, the owner, Goofy, uh, just sit in the office five minutes before we go live and say, what if I do this? Or it's even me with that light bulb can. I literally walked out of the office, saw the light bulb can. I'm like, I'm bringing this. We're using it. <laughs> we're just, we're doing everything we can, man. The governor of Nebraska has been relaxing a few laws for us. We can sell package alcohol to the car as well. Um, they have to be closed containers. Um, we got to be careful of that because we don't want to encourage, you know, drinking and driving. And stuff like that but i mean we're trying man we're, we're doing the best we can we really appreciate you taking time i know you've got to get back to, to get get to cooking here uh do you have any final thoughts we appreciate you taking the time to share your story and share some of the ideas and creativity that you guys are, are doing we really wish you the best we hope that this can be you know over as soon as possible but cheers to you for trying to make lemonade out of lemons like we said yeah, thanks, man. Uh, I don't know if I could talk for on this, but I just think that in America, we've always kind of had a history of being backed into a corner. I feel like even from the first people that came here um, to, to today, it's just another example of how great America truly is. And 
when we're back in the corner, we just fight. I mean, that's all, that's all we can do. I mean, that's all I've been taught by my dad, my grandpa, my mom, especially. She's a big fighter, I know. And, uh, you know, I just, I really hope that after this, we learn some things about ourselves. We take time, get back to the family some more, get off our phones, which is kind of funny. I'm on my phone right now, but um, we need to get back to the family more. We need to remember who we are to get down to these roots fighting and, 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 and keep better on the other side of this. Our leaders, I'm calling on our leaders, um, our business leaders, our government leaders, everybody. We need to be better on the outside. We need to learn a lot of stuff about us right now because I've seen a lot of people working together, like uh, Donald Trump and Cuomo. Um, I've seen a lot, a lot of people working together that wouldn't typically be working together because of this. And we just got to remember that on the other side of this. Once we do finally, you know, push through this and all make it out, um, I do, I do want to. Um, say, you know, through God, this is the only way that this is impossible. Um, I do, I miss my uh, kids a lot. I mean, I've been here for like 80 hours this week and it's kind of emotional. It's been fun, but I hope we can all make this through. It's going to be hard for these small businesses to make through, but we're going we're gonna to keep fighting, okay, man? All right. Well, hey, thanks, Curtis, so much for joining us here on the show, sharing your story. You hang in there. Uh, we really appreciate all that you're doing to, to feed America here. Uh, where can folks find uh, more about the restaurant so they can get some of that great wholesale meat going? Yep. And then one last thing that, that TJ kind of has been saying at the end of every single press conference is, especially with us, we are RTB strong. We are Nebraska strong and we are in America strong. So we can get through this. That's right. Hey, thanks so much for joining us here on the show. We'll talk to you soon. That is all the time we have for this week's episode. Thank you so much for taking the time to watch America's Healthcare Challenge. If you enjoyed it or if you have any questions or ideas on future uh, things for us to cover, please uh, share them in the comments below and check out some of our other related videos. Uh, we do these about once a week. So if you uh, like it and want to get into the loop, please hit the subscribe button. Join us next week for more clarification and conversation about the most important issue facing America today. America's Healthcare Challenge with Sean McGuire. Brought to you by... Now that you've heard of Sean McGuire and HealthReformExplained.com, maybe it's time for his team to assess your company's situation. We have innovative strategies to help navigate this new maze created by the Affordable Care Act. For more, go to HealthReformExplained.com.